Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. We're very happy to have Stephen as part of our family as well. And uh, Stephen has a great family. His mom and dad have uh, been very gracious to us. And we have celebrated with Stephen different things that have gone on in his life. Um, he, he won a battle against cancer this last year. And uh, yeah. And so... Uh, you know, we're very grateful to have him in our life. And uh, I told him I'm also very grateful I don't have to lie anymore because he talked to me last week, last Saturday, and everybody has been wondering when that was going to happen. So I lied to four different people, including my daughter, <laughs> because everybody kept asking, has Stephen talked to you yet? And I s- said, no. And I had to keep it secret. The only person that knew was Kathy. So anyway... And he pulled off a pretty big surprise. We didn't even know ourselves until uh, Stephanie called last night. So very exciting, very exciting. So, and word has it, we need a pastor to do the wedding because I get to be a dad at the wedding, which will be nice. So um, this last, a few, a few, a couple months ago when we were in California at Kathy's uh, nephew's wedding, I sat next to Kathy during the wedding and I realized that was the first time we had sat together at a wedding for as long as I could remember. Uh, because I did uh, Aaron and Katrina's wedding last summer and you know, last year and, and so it's just, it's ni- it was nice to sit with Kathy. So I'm really looking forward to sitting next to mom for your wedding. <clears throat> <laughs> breathe, breathe. So, um, want us to take a look at First John chapter four, the middle of that passage, actually chapter four, verse seven, through the end of that chapter. So, just follow along as we read it, read through it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest to us or among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he, is, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, 
For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I'd like us to watch the Bible project, or is it Bible project or gospel project? I always forget which one it is. But I want you to watch this short video on the theme of love. To know the heart of the Father is to be immersed in His love, expressed through His Son. And as we look at this passage in 1 John chapter 4, we think today, I want you to think with me today about the fact that John was responsible for specifically five books in the New Testament. You know what the first book was? John, the Gospel of John. And then before or after he wrote these three little letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he wrote another major work, the Revelation of John. And both of those books, John and the Revelation of John, work like bookends, and I want you to picture with me today, they work like mountains, like on either side of a valley. One of the things that happened to us when we moved to Ohio the very first time, moving to the Midwest, was the question that Kathy asked for several weeks was, where are the mountains? Because having come from California, everybody knows about the majesty of the Sierra Nevadas. And, and everyone knows about the majesty if you've traveled across the country of the Rocky Mountains. You know, the Appalachian Mountains are good. The mountains in upstate, they're pretty good. But there's nothing like the Sierra Nevadas and the Rockies in terms of the majesty. And so, if you could, in your mind's eye, even if you've never been there, you've at least seen photos and pictures of those mountains and the range of mountains that, that uh, create the valleys in between. And I want you to picture the book of John, the Gospel of John, and the Revelation of John like mountaintops. And John, the Gospel of John, that message is a pastoral message that John shares with the community of people that are starting to learn about how to live according to the way that Jesus taught them to live which was in a spirit of love. And it's the foundational story about the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus going off to His heavenly Father and telling the disciples, my love has been dispensed for you to, to receive and be immersed in all that He has and then return that love to other people as well. So that's one mountain range. One mountaintop. And all of us know that as we go to mountains or we go to places of retreat, that's the time that the air gets clear. And everything is quiet and we can listen and we can hear, we hear birds and we hear animals, we hear sounds that we don't hear in the midst of the busyness of the valley. And the other mountaintop is the book of Revelation. John's revelation of what he saw in the different visions that are there. And the Revelation is also a pastoral account by John because it's written to a group of people 
that are struggling with persecution. Many of them are losing friends and brothers and sisters to the persecution of the church. And so this pastoral document speaks to the people, shouting to the people, have courage and have hope and continue to love God and continue to love each other because everything will turn out all right. And so with both of those mountain ranges bordering our lives, we are with John in the middle of the valley. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. In those three little documents, seven chapters, believe it or not, the word agape is used 51 times. 51 times. The proportion is, is a very large proportion of time where John wants to emphasize you've got to understand the love of God in order to learn how to love each other. And we know that through those documents, through those three letters, we know that there was trouble. There were difficulties. In fact, to the point that in the passage we read this morning, John is so clear. He says, if, if you can't love your brother that you can see, how can you love God that you can't see? And if you say you love God but you hate your brother, he's very blunt. He says you're a liar if that's the case. So here's what I want you to think with me this morning as we look at these two mountain ranges and we make sure that when we're down in the valley of life where things get difficult and we're just trying to work out relationships and be committed to one another as we should, John is shouting from the mountaintops. He's shouting from the, the mountaintop of God's love for His people and all of God's plan finding its fruition in Jesus Christ coming as a little baby and going to the cross as we sang this morning. And then shouting from the other mountaintop for us to listen to is to have courage and hope that He's the Alpha and the Omega and that there will be a marriage supper which is the celebration of all of God's love as the bride and bridegroom come together. But sometimes, I think we all know that in the middle of the valley, it's easy to forget what we should hear from those two mountain ranges. And so, I want us to think about this morning about what's being shouted from the mountaintops as John is revealing it to us in 1 John chapter 4. So in verses 7 and 8, and we can put those verses back up, Emily, John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. So I think one of the first things that's being shouted to us is that Jesus helps us to know our true destiny. The destiny of what it means to truly be a human. I mean, think about the reality. Jesus didn't come as an odd character of some kind. He didn't come with a halo around His head. He didn't come with, with a Power Ranger type fingers or something like that. He was not like some video game creature. He was a human being. If we were walking through the mall, he would look like anybody else that we see at the mall. He came in human form. He came in what's being shouted to us. He came to be truly human so that we would be able to find our destiny in God's love and expressing God's love to other people. God is love. The heart of the message being shouted from the mountaintops. It's interesting in this, this opening sentence in verse 7 and 8, the ancient Greek sentence actually goes like this. Those who are loved, let us love. In other words, if we're immersed in His love and we're being filled to capacity, we cannot help but give love away. That's just the nature of what happens. And so, 
What's being shouted is Jesus helps us to know our true destiny. And so as a result of that, we represent the love of the Father to one another. The second thing that's being shouted to us is in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest, or it's shining like a burning bush. It's shining among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we may live through Him. It's being shouted to us that God or Jesus gives meaning to life. There's, a big, there's obviously a huge difference between existence and just existing and actually thriving and flourishing in life. All men have existence. All men and women have existence. But not all men and women are thriving and flourishing in life. And we get to really live because through Jesus expressing the love of the Father, we are really loved. I mean, think about what Jesus said in His prayer in John 17.3. And this is eternal life, that you, they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And Jesus gives man an object for which to live. Jesus gives peace in which to live. Jesus gives hope and joy for the weary soul. Jesus gives us existence to life. And so as a result of that sweet fragrance of life that we get to enjoy because of His love, what we do for one another and people around us is we represent something to live for. I was looking again this week at the demographics, just the two miles around our property right here. There are 4,500 homes. There's 36,000 people. Included in those two miles is a university and a university hospital. I don't have any idea. I know there's 22,000 students or something like that that come and go at the university. I have no idea how many employees are at the university and how many employees are at the hospital. But probably somewhere around 60 to 70,000 people, many of whom, a majority of whom are just existing in life. And they need to hear the, the gospel of the love of God that gives them more meaning to life than just to exist. So we represent something to live for. Another thing that's being shouted to us is in verse 10. It's being shouted to us that Jesus brings restoration of lost relationship with God. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, just a, a, a theological term that means the sacrifice turned away the judgment of God that we would have received for our sins, that we deserve to receive. But He commends His love to us while we were yet sinners. And everything changes. He becomes our way to the love of the Father. He broke the barrier. He bridged the gulf between us. We all know that. And Jesus is the complete example of restoration on the planet. And it's supposed to be demonstrated by the community of faith. By us. We should be the ones that are like the intercessors. We should be the ones that stand in the gap as He stood in the gap for us. 
It should stir us like Jesus was stirred when he would look at the crowds harassed and without a shepherd and he would have compassion on the crowds and and he would say to the disciples as he says to us this morning, pray to the Lord of the harvest. It should break our hearts because we look at people that are living frustrating lives and defeated lives that they don't have to live if they experience the immersion of the love of God flowing through their lives. And so he's shouting to us this restoration, which means we get to represent a path of restoration to God on behalf of others. I want all of us to think about this morning the one or two or half a dozen people that we know that just need us to grab them by the hand and say, come on, let me show you the way to the Father. And another thing that's being shouted is in verse 14. It's being shouted to us that Jesus brings salvation. Another word for salvation is deliverance. Bringing deliverance to the world. Verse 14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior or the Deliverer of the world. It's being saved from the circumstances that destroy shalom. Anybody remember what shalom means from last week? Huh? Besides peace. Complete wholeness. It's, it's, it's what's being shouted to us is that we have something that's going to bring complete wholeness and bring everything together, integrate, integrate everything that's been disintegrated because of the, the sin and the brokenness that's in the world. It's being saved from the circumstances that keep us from that wholeness. The habits. By the way, VJ and I have been doing a podcast. And one of the podcasts that we've been doing, uh, we've been doing a couple on a book called Atomic Habits. We, did a, a, we started a podcast on margins and the rule of life and making sure that we're paying attention to habits that will help us to enjoy the love of God and the shalom of God. So check that out, by the way. That's just a quick commercial. Now, back to the sermon. It also um, saves us from the circumstances of temptations we face. It saves us from afflictions. You know, I was thinking of the word affliction it was five years ago that I was really sick, as a lot of you know. And all I remember, that well, the thing I remember the most was after the infection that I had was removed and I was laying in the hospital bed and the shoulder pain that I'd had for a year, when I went to reach for, I went to reach for a glass of water or a cup of water, and the shoulder pain that I'd had for over a year was completely gone. The pain that was in my side was completely gone. And then I started feeling better. And then, of course, when I got home, I started gaining weight, actually faster than I wanted to. But the reality was, that was a result of salvation. That was a result of deliverance. And so whether it's physical, or whether it's emotional, whether it's social, there's all all these opportunities that we have to listen to what's being shouted from the mountaintops, that Jesus brings salvation and deliverance to the world, and we need to be shouting along with Him. And so as a result, the loving community should be a place where we can calm all of our fears. We need to be the place that represents safety and deliverance to everyone that enters through these doors. 
And the last thing, I'm not quite done yet, so don't get Jeff and Amy too soon, but, or get Jeff too soon, but um, it's being shouted to us that Jesus brings true relationship as the Son of God. Verses 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Now we all know, and I don't think this is news to anyone, that Jesus is in relationship to God like no one else. In fact, he's been in relationship with God since the beginning of time. And to be in relationship with him is to be in relationship with God the Father himself, and it gives us access to the Father. Now let me, I want to share something with you that I think is really critical because it is so important for us to make sure that we are sure-footed and that we are standing on a, a line that does not deviate from the message that's being shouted in this verse. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So the converse is true as well. Whoever does not confess that Jesus is the Son of God, it means that they don't abide in Him. And He doesn't abide in them. Right? That makes sense? So I want you to listen to something that's a quote from a church that's loosely connected to us that would identify itself as a Reformed church, also as an, uh, a, would identify itself as a Protestant church that believes in the Gospel. And I want to distinguish between what it believes in and the Gospel. In this church, and I'm being, you can ask me questions later about where and, and who it is. In this church, they host, rent the facility to three different faiths. They have their Christian faith, they have their Jewish faith, uh, they have a Jewish congregation that meets there, and they have a Muslim congregation that meets there. And so they rent the facility out. It's one thing to rent the facility. The second thing that they do is they have joint services together. They have a joint Thanksgiving service together. So the Protestant minister at the Thanksgiving service reads out of the Koran. Uh, The imam reads out of the Torah. And the rabbi reads out of the New Testament. About, reads out of the Gospels about the Messiah that he doesn't believe is the true Messiah. In the newsletter, the Christmas newsletter that came out this, at the beginning of December from this church, there was an article from the Protestant pastor, there was an article from the imam and an article from the rabbi. And I was reading through the articles and they were giving the various religious faith perspective on Christmas. So what do we believe about Christmas? What do we, let's make sure we are all on the same page. What do we believe about Jesus? Who is Jesus in relationship to the Father? He is what? The Son of God. Is Jesus God? Is he, are you sure he's God? I mean, he's kind of like a good man, right? Is that good enough? 
Is it good enough for you that he's just a good man? All right, so let me read this quote that was in the church newsletter. Muslims don't believe that Jesus was God, but a messenger from God like Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Muhammad sent by God to guide humankind. You agree with that quote? That's being represented as something to embrace that's a form of the gospel, a form of power, but denying, I mean, I'm a form of godliness, but denying the power of godliness. That's not the gospel. And one of the things that's so true in this passage in 1 John 4, so, so consistent in his message in John's, in his, in his gospel and in the book of Revelation, what's consistent is Jesus is the Son of God, has been God since all time with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit functioning together. And He's not just a messenger like Noah and Abraham and Moses and Muhammad. He's the Savior. He's the Deliverer. He's the Son of God who came in the form of a baby to bring us back to the Father. And if you don't believe that, you don't abide in Him, and He doesn't abide in you. You know that song, What the World Needs... What the world needs now is love, sweet love. I'm going, to, I, I'm going to suggest we need to change the song. Instead of love, sweet love, it's not sweet love, but we need Jesus' love. We don't need more syrupy love. We don't need this compromising gospel that just waters down things so that everybody feels comfortable with each other. We need, really, we need real agape love that comes from the Father, where we love Him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We must not and we cannot let the truth and the complexity and the beauty and the power of the message of the Gospel be taken from us. We represent a people who hunger for the presence of the Father, expressing His love in Jesus and carrying that presence to others. That's why we need to take time to go to the mountains, to spend time in John's Gospel, to spend time in Revelation, to spend time in the other Scriptures that remind us of the love of God expressed in His Son, and refresh ourselves with the clarity that comes in thin mountain air where there's nothing like it. That's why we need to learn to tune our ear to the sound that's being shouted from the mountaintops. Before Stephanie was born, Kathy and I, we had our first two sons. Our oldest was four. Our youngest was two. We lived in Sierra City, California, 4,000 feet. And after all of the snowfall all winter, surrounding where we lived, were mountain peaks and ranges that all went from six to eight, ten thousand feet. And then when the spring would come and we'd start to experience a spring thaw, I lost track one day counting the number of waterfalls that were cascading over the sides of these mountains all around us as the snow was melting. And I was picturing that this week as I was preparing, thinking that's kind of what it is when you get in the place where you're hearing the message of the love of God 
in a fresh, new, mountain air sort of way. It's like you look around and say, there's his love. Oh, there's his love. There's more of his love. Oh, and there's more of his love over here. And look, it's back over there. Everybody, look, it's pouring. It's pouring over us. And that's what happens when you listen to what's being shouted from the mountaintops. As Paul said in Romans 5, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the Anointed One came and He died to demonstrate His love to sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Shout it to everybody. Oh, the wonders of His love. Sounds like some words from a Christmas carol, doesn't it? Can you stand with me? Would you put your hands over your heart? And let's ask God to clear up our spiritual ears and hearts. Anywhere there's hardness or deceitfulness where we have let weariness creep in, we've let trials overflow the message of the love of God. We ask you, Father, right now that you would take each one of us and renew us again in your love. It's Christmas time. We have about nine days left for the official holiday. And so, Lord, we pray that not one day would be wasted. And we know Christmas is not just about a certain time of the year for us. It's every day. But I pray that as our hearts and our minds are turned towards you, that you would help us to hear the shout coming from the mountaintops and be refreshed again on how much you love us, how much purpose we can find in you. Help us to flourish and find the meaning of life in you once again. And help us to be ones that would restore others to the same thing. We ask in your name. Amen. So I want to read to you the words of Paul from the end of 2 Corinthians. So if you would extend your hands. I want to extend, share these as a blessing this morning. I want to read it from the message paraphrase. And that's about it, friends. Be cheerful. Keep things in good repair. Keep your spirits up. Think in harmony. Be agreeable. Do all of that, and the God of love and peace will be with you for sure. Greet one another with a holy embrace. All the brothers and sisters here, they say hello. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you as you go. Amen.